podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from the Bulls on the Line podcast. Gents, this time last week we were sitting in these exact chairs and we were being so positive. The mood was so good, so uplifting. And the question now is, did we jinx it? Well, I think so. I mean, to be honest, I will give you some props this week, James, because... I was the one for once leading the positivity charge and I was refusing to let um, well, let myself believe that after all the recent feel-good facts around the club, we could possibly get anything other than a win in Wales. And sure enough, you were right. I wouldn't say I was right. I think I, think I could just see... Well, what you weren't wrong. True, <laughs> true. I mean, I could just see what see it coming from a mile off. And I, I said that to you when the second goal and I messaged you straight away. I was like, I told you that I could see it coming from a mile off. And... It doesn't even surprise me. I wasn't even that annoyed on Saturday afternoon because I could just t- I just knew it was coming. It was so typical of West Ham to do that. And you know, all that positivity last week, we didn't really consider the fact that we hadn't won away from home in like eight years. <laughs> and you know, it was it was going to happen. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's frustrating because you know both Watford and Wolves drop points, and, and you know, so we could have closed the gap on. E- equally, though, with you having dropped points, you haven't lost anything from their, them no, dropping but points. but when you consider it's Cardiff away or, or in really poor format going into that game, you've got to see it as an you know, opportunity missed because you know, Wolves did gain the point. So with that Cardiff form then, Friday 22nd of February, they got spanked by Watford 5-1. 26th of February, Everton turned them over 3-0. Then it was Wolves to Cardiff nil immediately before the West Ham game. So that was a team who really were up against it. Relegation threatened. How did you contrive to lose that game? What in particular went wrong? Everything, really. It was really... West Ham went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it was another one of those games it appeared. And it was kind of what you were saying last week, wasn't it? Oh, we've got that in us, that complacency sometimes to... Just where we saw it, Wimbledon was the big one. A couple of the home games we lost in that dodgy run around December time where we just sort of turn up and it seemed like in everyone's heads, oh, we've won a few games, everyone's buzzing, everyone thinks we're going to win, therefore we'll just turn up, put our kit on and we will, forgetting about the fact that, oh, actually, Cardiff are trying to win this as well. Oh, actually, they're (laughs) trying harder than we are. Oh, look, they've scored twice, we haven't. And 90 minutes have passed us by with, to be honest, a whimper. Yeah, yeah, I mean... So so often this season we've heard about this so-called big team mentality that that Pellegrini's trying to put in the team. Um, and we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen it in stages. Uh, recently, before the Cardiff game, Nashri came out and said, you know, 
got to have a big team mentality. But isn't the very nature of a big yeah. big team mentality that it can't appear in stages? The whole point with those teams this, like this the old is, Ferguson sides when they were winning, when they were up against it, it's got to be every week, hasn't this it? Is, this is my point in that, you know, before that Cardiff game, now she came out and said, you know, we can't go to teams like Cardiff and just expect a win. Um, so... And it was like, well, fair enough. Good. I hope you've told everyone else that as well. I don't know and, yet. Um, <laughs> and they've rocked up and they've gone to Cardiff expecting to win. And it's exactly what they've done. Um, Hernandez has said it after the Cardiff game, obviously with Huddersfield this weekend in mind, and gone, we've got to have that big team mentality. I don't want to hear those words again. Because clearly we can't, we, we're not capable of having that big team mentality. Because you can't only have that big team mentality against the top six. You can't go into a game against the big team and go, oh, now we're the big team, we can play against this lot. But then the, the smaller clubs just turn up and just expect to win football matches. West Ham are not a big team in that respect. Um, and until we actually start playing like a big team consistently, then just don't mention it. Just don't don't do it because it is it's getting quite annoying. No, do you, do you think from the sorry, well, do you think from the Pellegrini point of view, there might be some pressure on him from the board to not just do it in terms of mentality, but produce a team who look like a big team, play like a big team because of all the money that's being spent. There is that, but I disagree. I, I like the I, with James. Sorry about the you don't want to hear the words again. I want to hear it all the time until that message is drummed in. It's all very well saying it, but it's got to happen every week if you're going to say it. I No, I totally agree, but I think just keep on pummeling that because before, if you don't... all the, all the There is a change now, right? The fact that Pellegrini's using this term, mm. the players... All right, some of them might be saying it, but eventually some of them will adopt that, won't they? And if that starts to become the ethos of the club, and if that has to start from just saying it all the time, and that in a year or two years... And as long as we can see an upward trajectory, because if it's just we're finishing between 8th and 13th every year for the next five years, but everyone's going, oh, we've got a big team mentality, <laughs> then, yeah, no, it's a different story. I mean, they can, they can, you know, sit in team meetings and talk about it amongst themselves, but I don't want to hear someone like Samir Nasri come out before we play Cardiff away, relegation threatening Cardiff away, Cardiff away that's lost four in a row, Cardiff away. And go, oh, we want to be a big team. We've got big team mentality. And then let's go, watch us go and see, lose 2 0. Don't want to hear it. You know, talk about it amongst yourselves. Talk about why it's not working behind closed doors. But then don't come out and, and tell us all we're going to do that and then don't deliver. Don't you think part of a big team mentality, though, when this is the bit that really annoys me, is that part of a big team mentality is that if a big team went to Cardiff, relegation threatened Cardiff, Cardiff that have lost four in a row. <laughs> if a big team went I think there, that's not how Cardiff like to be known, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But if, if a big team had gone there and got turned over like we did, and the most frustrating bit is just turned up with a whimper, uh, got turned over with a whimper, there'd be like uproar, wouldn't there? There'd be, all the press would be all over it. It'd be a huge story if Spurs, Man United, <laughs> Arsenal, Chelsea... If a genuine big team went there, it'd and got be known as an upset. Exactly, because that big team, that big team that's lost that game at Cardiff. I'm not going to go through the relegation in Cardiff again, but <laughs> I quite like that. No, I think we should do it every <laughs> time, every even time if in 20 Cardiff. years' time Cardiff are winning the league. It should be Cardiff who've lost their last four, threatened by relegation. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is that, that that big team could have gone there, but they might have won their the, the eight or nine fixtures before then. They might be top of the league at the time, so you can kind of you know sometimes those upsets happen. But when you've got West Ham who are in transition still, um, are in relatively you know, good form, can't just afford to rock up at Cardiff and just expect to win because they're Cardiff. You know, that a lot of those players have to remember that we're, you know, 
only West Ham still. We're we're still not we're not a big team West Ham, we're not top six West Ham. Well, we could still finish twelfth, couldn't we? Thirteenth. Yeah. Like technically we Exactly. Could, it's not like we're a million we could also still finish seventh, granted, but we that could happen, couldn't it? If, it could happen, yeah. With some and of it's the a game. sort of scenario I I kind of can half see happening now. Oh. Season's over, isn't it? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> We've gone from positivity last week to just complete God, oh, I can't bother anymore this week. It's that game-to-game mentality that we talk about, though, isn't it, yeah. to be fair? Well, in yeah. terms of that big team mentality, where's it, where's it not coming from? Because the players who we've heard talking about it, the likes of Sami Nasri, he's, of course, been at the books at real big teams, at the Arsenals, at the cities of this world. Chikorito, that's a man who's played for Real Madrid, for Manchester United. There are players in this team who know what it takes. They've done it before. So where, who is at fault? Uh, I think the before is the key word there, to be honest. Uh, They have done it before. Pellegrini, obviously, been at Real Madrid, been at Manchester City. Um, You've also got, you know, Fabianski, who's been signed of a season, but you've got a lot of young players within that squad as well. And I I don't like to make it a habit of saying this, but James is right again, where you say we're, we're in a transitional period, and that is, it's just another example here of us getting caught up in that week-to-week football fan mentality, isn't it? Where last week we're sitting in, we've won a couple of games and it was the oh, best thing ever. I love being a West Ham fan. I'm so happy. <laughs> to one week later, a result, you know, not ideal. That, And we're, we're sort of back to, ah, oh, this is rubbish. It's not the yeah. worst club in the land to support. But I, and I think that's right. Realistically, where we were last season, we were tragic in my, in my yeah. eyes. And, you know, the performance on the pitch, the feeling around the club. But now... It, they're generally bigger picture. We're in a better position, but you're right with transitional. We are in a big, better position. Um, I mean, it was around about this time last year that you know it all kicked off at the Burnley game, and you know that was it. And we could have gone down with David Moyes as manager and um, anything like that. So we are in a far better position. We've come a long way. So um, we can't really complain in that on that respect. Well, it's not just West Ham who don't know whether they're coming or going. The whole country is in the lurch still with Brexit. The big vote was, of course, yesterday. A defeat once more, a heavy defeat for Theresa May. MPs have just left the chamber once more, voting on whether to take the potential of a no-deal Brexit off the table for the 29th of March. Important to note, this doesn't take it off the table permanently. If we fail to leave on the 29th of March, it could still happen. But we'll have the results from that vote very shortly and most importantly on the West Ham Fan Show, a chat with a certain Mr John Moncur. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, joined by James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from the Bulls on the Line podcast. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined on the line by John Moncur, former West Ham midfielder. Evening, John. Thanks very much right, John. for joining us. Okay, <laughs> yeah, too many names flying around. Too many Johns. Too many Johns. It's a constant problem. The other problem, of course, for West Ham, which we were discussing in the first few minutes of the show, John was this idea of a big team mentality. The club seemed to be struggling to get their heads around it. Do you think it's something that the current West Ham squad have? And if not, is it something that they need? I think that result-wise, we've let ourselves down, obviously, against the lower teams this year. And you got sort of uh, the performances against the bigger teams. I don't know if players' egos run away a little bit. But I think... It's there to see where we've performed really well against the big teams and 
you know, tripped up against, I would say, the lower teams in the bottom half of the league. John, just a, uh... just, just a quick one, John, on, um, you say that about the players' egos there. Do you think that is that is part of it where, you, you obviously, Anderson's the one that springs to mind, not that he comes across like that, but he's, he's a very sure. talented player. He's come in for a lot of money, but... He seems to really like put a show on against the bigger sides this year. Yeah. And what what can Pellegrini do to to stop that? Because to be honest, he's been at some big clubs. He's he's gone through seasons before when he's got results against the little teams and he's won leagues. So what is it he can do to to sort of stamp that out? Yeah, I think as a manager, he's got to manage that. You know, I think it's man management. I mean, if you look at a lot of the players. Uh, you know, even back in our day, you could have said that a little bit about Di Canio. Uh, he was fantastic. You know, and them sort of players do rise to the occasion. It's, it's in their makeup. But as a group, you know, you've got to find a level where the performance, the consistency is, you know, the key. And I think West Ham, it's, it's been a big plus this year. You know, we've got a lot of good players and we've, we've performance-wise against the bigger teams, we have been fantastic. But it's, it's just finding that consistency and it, it seems like two steps forward, one step back at times. So I think man managing them players, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a fitness thing or, you know, I think it's just getting the attitude right for them games. John, how, how does Pellegrini and even some of the senior players, you know, as we were saying earlier, like Hernandez and Nazri have both, both come out recently and spoken about big team mentality. And, you know, those, those two players have played for some of the biggest clubs in Europe. Um, how how do they do that? Because I mean, back in back in your day, I mean, we, I mean, West Ham for for many many years have been known as a team that regularly slip up against you know smaller clubs, particularly in the cup. Mm. Um, how did it work in your day when you came up against uh, sort of the the lesser known sides or the, or the relegation threatened sides? It were did, you know were there certain discussions had in the dressing room beforehand? Yeah, I think we've I think we, it was a thing in our day with the. You know, we we got knocked out a cup a few times against some real low teams, and it happened this year against Wimbledon, uh, with you know obviously West Ham in the FA Cup, and it's something that you have to address. Uh, but the problem what West Ham have had this year is is the you know the, the Bournemouths, the Brightons, the Huddersfields. They're the games where if you can, you know, even when you're not on, you can sometimes feel it. You've got to grind out a result, and that's, I think, what good teams do. They can get a result as a group when they're not, you know, all performing. You only need to dip three or four players, be out of form, and you can lose a match like that, especially with the standard now, the Premiership. John, we've seen, of course, the news today that Declan Rice has got his first ever call-up to the England squad. Uh, with that in mind, for you, are you pleased he's playing for England rather than Ireland? And how good can he be for both West Ham and his country? Yeah, definitely. As an Englishman, I think he's a, a great talent. I mean, this year he's, he's come on a bundle and I think that the boy's made the right decision, I think, uh, for his career. Uh, he's only going to improve being an England player. No disrespect to Republic, but I think that he, he's, he's done it now. He's made that decision and I think he's just got to keep his head level, which I think he's going to be. He's, he's come through the academy. He looks like he's got a fantastic attitude and he's one of them that you know, you talk about big game mentality and small game mentality. He's one that I've seen the consistency with. So, you know, he, he's one of them I can see him being a future captain of West Ham for many years. 
John, uh, one one last one that we've been talking about, or we're going to go on to talk about, is the some rumours flying around today that Big Andy Carroll, we may have seen the last of him in a West Ham United shirt. Obviously, there's very few that rival your left foot in a claret and blue shirt in the East End. But Andy did come close in spells to, you know, to rivaling that, and, and certainly in terms of the regard in which he was held by the fans. It's been a disappointing period for him. What are your thoughts on on his time with the club overall? You know, if it if it, it does turn out that we're not going to see him in a West Ham shirt again. Yeah, I think with with Andy, he's he's a, a player that you know he's he was great when he first come, and I think it was a style of play really under Sam and everything else with Kevin Nolan. I think you see the best in him. Uh, I think under Pellegrini, even this year, when you've actually seen him play. We don't play to his strengths. Uh, two or three games, I see him start, and he's pulling off on the sort of on the defender, and we we can hit him with a diagonal, and we've gone into midfield, and it's frustrating for him. You know, we're not really playing the game that he wants. But uh, he's been a fantastic player, and he's he's been a you know he's he's been a great servant to the club when he's when he's been fit. The sad thing about it, he's just been plagued with injuries, uh, especially the last sort of three three years. So. It wouldn't be a surprise to me if he went. Uh, I just, you know, I don't think he fits like he did when he first got signed under Allardyce. John, uh, of course, looking forward to this weekend, of course. It's a big game against Huddersfield. How do you see that one going for the Hammers? Uh, Going to need a score prediction from you, if you you don't mind. Well, no, I think we'll win. Listen, I can see us winning 3-1 comfortably. But again, it's that mentality. I think under, you know, at the London Stadium... Uh, games that I've seen now, we've got off to some fantastic starts, and we—I can see us winning, winning this uh, Saturday. But the only problem is you, you're against a small team, the expectations there, and others feel the fighting for their life. So I can see us winning three-one, but you know we've got to start better. When I when I've been over there this year against the lower teams, I think the first 20 minutes we've, you know, we've not took the, the, the ball by the arms really and uh, done what we should do, you know. And John, this is, uh, just quickly, this is the first time I've ever had a chance to chat to you without Martin Bell also being in the room. Uh, that's Bell of <laughs> Bell and Sperling, uh, who of course now present our Drive yeah. Time show. With that in mind, he talks about playing with you as a kid quite a lot. But the question I've never been able to ask you, because he'd probably slap me, is was he ever any good? No, listen, I'm, I'm a better singer than he was a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Uh, well, I, I would promise to keep it secret, John, but that's just gone out live on air, I'm afraid. <laughs> John, thanks ever so much for joining us. John Moncur there, ex-West Ham midfielder. Lovely speaking to him. And some massive news, gents, coming out of the Houses of Parliament is that the MPs have voted to approve the Spellman-Dromey Amendment. They've just squeaked it through. Eyes 312, nose 308, a very, very slim majority of just four. But that takes a no deal off no deal Brexit, sorry, off the table for a March 29th exit. It doesn't take it off the table forever. If we leave after the 29th of March, that could still be without a deal. But it says if we leave on the 29th of March, it has to be with a withdrawal agreement. Wonderful and weird time in British politics, it has to be said. Coming up, simpler stuff, I think, and Declan Rice. This is Love Sport.
You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And if you're just joining us, the news fresh out of Westminster is that the MPs have voted to take a no-deal Brexit off the table for the 29th of March. It was unbelievably close. 312 supported that motion, 308 opposed it. A very slim majority of just four. Important to note that a no-deal Brexit could still happen if we leave after the 29th of March. It just can't happen on the agreed date without a withdrawal agreement. Lots of the Brexit argument comes up to disagreement about the backstop. It's a problem potentially between England and Ireland. A problem between England and Ireland that doesn't for once involve Declan Rice. For those of you who haven't had your fingers on the footballing pulse, Declan Rice was yesterday named Ireland's Young Footballer of the Year. Today, he was called up to the England senior squad for the first time. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see. It's a bit, a bit of a strange uh, thing to happen for him. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, I mean, the, the awards evening isn't until this weekend, but um, uh, the, they actually decided to announce it early just to stop the what, what would have inevitably been just a complete like, carnage. Do you reckon he'll turn up? No, they've already said he won't be there. Oh, they have said that. Um, Bitch, I suppose he's probably the right thing. Don't turn up and rub it in everyone's faces. Just get on with your job elsewhere. Um, But on on the flip side, it's great to see a West Ham player get called up for the first time since 1966, which is great because that's what it feels like. (laughs) It feels like it's been forever since we've had a player. Justice for Noble. I mean, mean, they should give him a trophy call up, but that's probably a discussion for another day. But... um, (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's brilliant for the club. It's uh, it's a proud day for the club as well, given it's an academy, you know, academy product that's come through and broken into the first team. He's been fantastic. So to see him get his first thing and call up, it's just you know, hopefully get some minutes as well. I think a sign of a sign of the times, if you like, or a sign of how good Declan is, is that when the news came up today, I know we've been talking about it a lot before because of the England Island controversy, but. In recent times, when West Ham players have got caps or, as with Noble, haven't, it's been a real big deal for me. And I've really like looked forward to the announcements of the team if there's been some talk that, uh, you know, with Cresswell and Antonio and mm-hmm. there's, there's been some talk about West Ham players getting caps and I've been really excited for the team to be announced. And then the news came up today. I wasn't that excited before because, A, it was almost a given. And when it was, I was like, oh, brilliant, because there's just that feeling that it's going to be the first of... First of many, and as James said, it's it's just excellent to have a West Ham player in primarily, but B also think that someone playing for West Ham could be an integral part of the England midfield for a significant amount of time to come. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned a minute ago, I mean that initially should have been Mark Noble, but um, it's good that now it's Declan Rice, and you know, with the the, the likes of Eric Dyer, who you know, as we all know, isn't. No, it hasn't been great. I mean, he's been you know, struggled with injury this year, and you know there are better players out there than him on the international stage. Um, Jordan Henderson as well, not a bad player, but you know Declan Rice probably better than him. So, I mean, I'd like to see him, you know, force his way in there, and you know, be be a starter for England for for many years to come. Whether that you know whether he'll be a West Ham player in many years to come is is another matter. But you know, to start his England career as a West Ham player is fantastic. Is this you setting me up for my stats? Sorry, Johnny. No, let's uh, go for it, mate. Fire some stats off. When you're mentioning the... It was unintentional, but but, yeah, consider yourself set up. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were going to pretend that this radio chemistry we've got was deliberate and pre-planned. 
just you no. can't plan chemistry it's all about reactions exactly yeah let's Go have some it. stats well so what i've got is um it was when the when the team news was announced earlier on there's obviously a lot of clamor about um rice and or, or it's good that he's got announced but is he going to get in the team there was some stats that sky ran and the first one is tackles per 90 minutes this was a comparison between declan rice jordan henderson uh, Fabian Delph, and for some reason they included Eric Dyer in this conversation. And <laughs> tackles per 90 minutes, Declan Rice 3.02 this season, tops the list of those four, and Dyer's bottom with 1.77. Shock. Tackle, uh, that's tackles. Interceptions per 90 minutes, Declan Rice top again, no, sorry, Fabian Delph top with 1.61, Declan Rice second with 1.47. Uh, Henderson with 1.32 and Dyer bottom again with 1.18. Jules won per 90 minutes. Now, this is an interesting one. It's 5.92. Declan's top again. Second to is Delph and once again Dyer's bottom. I did think that some of these might be down to the fact that uh, the opposition often have a lot of the ball when West Ham are playing. Therefore, Declan has to make a lot of tackles, interceptions and win a lot of battles in midfield. But I think the, the long and short of it is, and he's also scored twice this season, but so has Dyer annoyingly. But I think the long and short of it is that if Declan Rice doesn't start for England, then it's a travesty. You hear a lot from West Ham, West Ham fans sorry, that it was West Ham, really, who won the World Cup in 1966. That you know There were so many integral members of that England squad who knew Upton Park very, very well that the club needed to take some kind of credit for it. With that in mind... Is there genuine pride for you that Rice has chosen England over Ireland? If he was playing in green rather than white, would you still be looking at him and going, this is a West Ham boy who's a fantastic footballer doing it on the international stage? Or does the fact that he's going to be doing it with three lines on his chest make it all the more important for you? No, I don't think so. Um, Obviously, being English, it's nice to see him represent England. Um, And, you know, I'm glad that he chose England over Ireland. Um, but you know when he was playing for in those three friendlies that he played you know it was still really you know we all felt you know a lot of pride in seeing him come through and, and play on an international level regardless of the country um, because you know as I said before he's come through our academy um, he's forced his way into the first team first team squad and he's he's kind of you know really reignited that you know that reputation that West Ham had you know back in the the 90s and the the early noughties of being sort of the academy of football which kind of died for for you know it you know it's not been around since maybe the early early noughties so to for for a player like that to come in and have such an impact on the professional game at such a young age um that makes the country plays for sort of really irrelevant really i think it's just that because we're english as well we're probably talking about it a little bit more I do I do agree. I, I think those the fact that he's picked England over Ireland is nice and also the the fact that he's come through West Ham, that's nice as well. But you think at the moment Anderson's got in the Brazil squad, Lanzini's got in the Argentina squad, and I know you've got obviously you've got Fabianski who's um in the uh, Poland and perhaps not quite as much. But I think it says a lot about the uh, position the club's in at the moment where at the end of the day, when was the last time we said we've got a Brazil, an Argentina and an England international in the team? I just think those that alone is fantastic. And I, I really want, if I watch Brazil and I see Anderson playing and doing well for Brazil, it just makes people around the world go, oh, where's he from? Oh, he plays at West Ham, does he? All oh, right. And I, yeah. I think all of that, I think it's brilliant. 
good news for the club on and off the pitch probably could see a few shirt sales spike in South America. Coming up, a distinctly English problem in the form of a certain horse-like gentleman, Andy Carroll. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and West Ham World. The latest news, if you're just joining us, is that MPs have been voting to take a no-deal Brexit off the table for a potential 29th of March exit. They voted to take it off the table by just four votes. Very, very narrow. Some people, doubtless, will be very frustrated by that, saying we need it on the table to continue to negotiate with the EU. We'll be bringing you more European political updates throughout the show also European football because we got Champions League action from 8 Barcelona take on Lyon in the second leg of their round of 16 tie it's nil nil there on aggregate and Liverpool travel away to Bayern Munich that's the big one for English fans nil nil there as well so an early away goal could work wonders for Klopp's men focusing our attention though more importantly on East London and West Ham Andy Carroll is a man who we always hear gives you an option. We hear this for England. He gives you an option, which in layman's terms mean he's really, really big and he kicks a football quite hard, despite that option potentially being useful. Has his time at West Ham come to an end? Uh, I, I think I think we were all resigned to the fact that his West Ham career was going to come to an end probably about three years ago. <laughs> um, because... He's not he's not fit enough for long enough for, for him to, to really have a, a meaningful impact on the team, you know, consistently. Yeah, I mean, you know, every year when he gets fit around about February time and he comes on and makes first appearance of the season, you know, he's an option off the bench and he, he tends to come off the bench and, and nick a couple of goals that will keep us in the Premier League in relegation battles, which, you know, that has been the case over the last couple of years. But that was under managers that, you know, played this played a style of football that you know that suited him well it's not just that I mean there is reasons for this as well isn't there there's rumours coming out today saying that uh, an ankle injury of his has flared up again or whether it's a new one or an old one details are a little bit hazy at the moment but the the word is that we won't be seeing him in a West Ham shirt again uh, this new injury's come up and that will see him out to the end of the season there was talk when he came in recently that he was playing for a new deal but I think someone forgot to tell him that didn't they yeah, I mean, he scored what one goal this season it was against Birmingham, mm. and that came after he'd already run around the keeper and run into the side of the goal, <laughs> um, which I'll never forget. It was classic, classic Andy Carroll, um, and I just, I just don't see him. I don't even if he, we do see him, I don't see him make, um, I don't see him making that much of an impact in a way that's going to convince Pellegrini to, to keep him at the club, particularly on the wages that he's on as well. Well, I was about to say, with that potential lack of impact in mind, figures that are reported, we don't have them confirmed, but we hear reports that Andy Carroll is possibly the fifth best played player at the club as sort of 90 grand a week. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a time when he was the highest paid player when we first signed him, you know. We were so desperate to bring him, make his loan deal permanent. That we made, I think we, you know, we made him the highest paid player at the club and and everything else. But um, it's just been a disastrous time. And I, I mean, I love Andy Carroll. Um, 
you know, I've, I've lo- he scored some really important goals for us. Believe so do, it or not. Do but... you love him for the bicycle kick against Crystal Palace, or is it is it a sort of more of a consistency question? It's a consistency question. Um, you know, love him for for a lot of the goals he scored because a lot of the goals he has scored have been important. Hatchery against Arsenal in the last season. That was We're not talking thing, about that case. And. Um, you know, we, should we talk about it a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we have to. I think, I think impartiality requires me to say but, it was a phenomenal hat trick. Yeah, it was. Um, but in terms of consistency, I mean, I've got some stats sitting in front of me that show just how inconsistent he is. Um, since he signed for the club in, we'll include his loan spell in 2012-2013, uh, um, he's, he's played 142 games for the club, um, which in, what, seven seasons is pretty pretty poor um in comparison he's actually missed a hundred sat 142 games out injured so he's, he's sat exactly the same amount of games out injured as he has actually played for the club um which says a lot um 34 goals that's a goal every 4.18 games um which again not for a striker is not great um but the big one they spent out injured since he signed for us is a whopping 1,161. That doesn't include the current injury that he may or may not have. We don't know. So that's almost um, almost four years. Four years of the seven. seven he's been at the club. And that's, that's now as well, isn't it? That's not including like obviously the time between now and the end of the season. So we, if we assume that we're not going to see him again, we're in March now and you've got to add another three months onto that because his contract will probably run out at the end of June. 250 yeah. days or something like that, you know, and, you know, over 150 games missed in in seven years. That's in all competitions. It's, it, I mean, it's a shame because um, on his day he was, you know, he was unplayable at times. Um, but the most ga- most league games he played in one season was 27, and that was in 15 16. Um, but even in in those in in that season, he only scored nine goals in the league, which again is not great for a striker. When you when you said that one goal every 4.1 games or whatever it was, then first the first thing I thought because as I I knew you were gonna line a few of these up I do feel obliged to defend Andy because again same as James I, I do love him at the club and I do feel sad of how it's gone for him to be honest uh, yeah. I agree with what John Moncur was saying earlier on about style of play at the moment uh, I also agree with what you were saying about the option thing I think for a long time even when he was fully fit I've always thought he'd be his place should be on the bench to come on and change the game but when you're paying him 90 grand a week at a club like West Ham that politically doesn't work but I did. Uh, I wasn't sure whether those f- that one point, uh, sorry, four point one games for every goal. I sort of immediately thought, oh yeah, but he, he comes off the bench a lot, so that's probably appearances. But when you say that about the fifteen sixteen season, and he got nine goals in a year. Yeah, so nine nine league goals in in twenty seven um, league appearances. I'm pretty sure he's never hit double figures in a season for us. Mm. Rather cruelly, the most relevant figures when you're talking about a player's future are the figures from the present. And if we look at his figures for this season, 12 Premier League appearances, no goals, two yellow cards. So I suppose that's something. He's putting himself about one goal, which came in the FA Cup, two appearances there. He scored against Birmingham. Birmingham. Uh, but not really the kind of figures you're want wanting for 90 grand a week. Other suggestions I've heard, important to stress these are just rumours, that perhaps there could be a question of an attitude problem with Andy Carroll, that possibly he likes a night out and isn't as focused as he might be. Listen, um, we all know that Andy Carroll li- likes a night out. Um, fans have seen it. Do you love him more for that reason? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? 
you know, I, he gets his ponytail done and he heads I mean, out into town. Yeah, he's got great hair. He's got one, great That's hair. one thing to note. He's got great yeah. hair. He's um, he's married to a girl from Towie, so he obviously likes the Essex scene, which is you know, don't we all? Uh, <laughs> me, not so much now, but you know, I grew up on you know in Essex, so um, but, but a lot of footballs do do like a night out though. So um, you, don't, you don't have a problem, and we I don't, don't know how much Andy Carroll I mean, goes out, if he goes out at all, but if Andy Carroll were to, say, be having a couple of nights out a week, that's something that for you as a West Ham fan, you're going, you know what, I like our players to be allowed to be human, and I like that about I him as a bloke. Uh, you see fans get really angry about it. Um, they always come out and go, oh, you know, how dare you go out and have a couple of beers? You know, It's like, well, it, it's a job, you know you're okay to go out for a couple of beers you know after you go out after but you've been you could work. argue that your average person working in an office job or your average radio presenter or your average mp or whatever it may be isn't a professional athlete i don't think it's, it's, i think the, the job that they're doing is pretty irrelevant it's like that time when you know last season when the players went out to miami on that warm weather training which we spoke about a few weeks ago uh and there was pictures of them sitting on the beach after training and fans were absolutely outraged. It was like, well, what do you expect them to do? Just like train 24-7 while they're out there. I mean, you know, do you, we want them to come back alive. Um, <laughs> and possibly rested, possibly rested as well, which yeah. is an important like, point. How dare they? We just lost their home to Burnley 3-0. And well, now they're sitting on the beach. It's like, well, they will have trained earlier on that day. It's just that the press don't publish the training pictures because that's not interesting, is it? No, I think I think there probably is a little bit more to it. He's, he's probably not done himself too many favours because perhaps... Not, he does it in a bit more of a public uh, public fashion, perhaps, in in as much as, like you say, I know there's a certain few pubs in and around Epping when on some weekends you can almost guarantee that if you yep. if you rock up in there that you might get to bump into him when he, and Kevin hard, Nolan hard when he was playing. Him, to be fair, if he, he, if he was in the <laughs> pub, poor old Landy, he'd never get away with it, would he? He can't fly under the radar with that kind of frame. That's it. But that, although it's true, maybe, you know, I've... I've uh, Funny enough, I'm reading Michael Carrick's autobiography at the moment, and I was quite surprised. He talks quite um, candidly and openly in there about, oh, and then we went and had a night out in the town, and then we went and did this, and then we went and did that. And maybe Premier League players these days are a bit more savvy with, you know, that, that as in that does still go on, but they do it, you know, perhaps away from the cameras, perhaps in their own houses a little bit more. Whereas Andy does that less so. And you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because yep. fans love all that. Declan Rice was in the pub after a game a few weeks ago, wasn't he? Yeah. And everyone loves it and jumps all over it. I just think with everything else that's happened with with Carroll, by all accounts, he's a really nice guy yeah, to, yeah. you know, if you do bump into him in one of the pubs. And you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because they fans want to see that players are real. I take your point, absolutely. You want players to, as James was saying, have a life. You want them to be a laugh if you bump into them. But the fact remains that if I know that my club is spending 90 grand a week on someone and I am, in terms of this season, it sounds like I am literally more likely to see Andy Carroll in the pub than I am to see him score a Premier League goal. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not joking there. Serious point. At that point, do we need to revisit his future at the club? Yes, in short. I'd, I'd, less so because of that reason you talk about. I think he could probably have been and be currently a, a little bit more sensible with it. But I think for footballing reasons, I think, his time's up. Yeah, I think if you look at his injury record as well, there was that one injury where he spent, I mean, a good, you know, seven, eight months out. And, you know, apparently it was, it was, an inju- it was such a freak injury that normally only basketball players get it. 
um, because he's obviously jumping up and down and you know go, you know spending a lot of his time playing football in the air that he picked up a, a, a heel injury that basketball players get. I mean, that's the f- freakest of injuries for a footballer. That's how unlucky he's been with injuries. Uh, and when you're injured for six, seven months of the season, of course you get. What can I do? I'll go out the pub. Why not? You know. Yeah. So, you know, I think he's he's probably drawn the short straw a little bit, and he gets a lot of stick because for some reason fans think think it's all his fault that he's always injured. Um, I think he's been a little bit more unlucky than anything else. I think one thing that did make me laugh though earlier on when I was just doing a bit of research for this segment is that, and you talk about that nine, seven to nine month spell he had out. When you when you Google Andy Carroll at the moment, the top Google suggested question is, where is Andy Carroll now? <laughs> <laughs> Could spend quite a lot of time answering that question. I mean, we've got, what, sort of 45 minutes left on the show. We could probably go a good way through it. Let's, for now, the answer, the broad answer to that question is, of course, that Andy Carroll is at West Ham. I'm going to put you both on the spot. Come the end of the season, would you like the broad answer to the question, where is Andy Carroll, at least in terms of football club, to still be West Ham United? No, not for me. I think I think time's, time's up now, really. I don't think he fits into Pellegrini's style. And I think with no animosity or malice from my part, I, I just think the time is up for me. Sadly, I, I agree. Um, it's a shame it hasn't worked out for him over all these years. Um, but we can use his wages. Not that I'm a person that really cares about the way the wages players are uh, paid. Doesn't fit me. But you know, we can use that on other players. So you know, affects the club more broadly. Yeah. Um, so you know, good, th- thanks Andy Carroll. But um, you know, good luck. Good luck in the future. I think that's probably what it's going to be in the summer. See you in Epping. See you in. See Epping, you in yeah. Epping. A toast yeah. to Andy Carroll. Uh, it's all still kicking off in Westminster. The MPs have now been voting on the Malthouse Compromise, so-called. What that requests is that the government publishes tariff schedules. It requests an extension of leaving the EU to the twenty-second of May, twenty-nineteen. It even requests mutual standstill agreements. Between, between the UK and the EU until the end of 2021, including payments to the EU and a unilateral guarantee of citizen rights. That's why it's being called a kind of managed no deal. MPs weren't having any of that either. They voted that down pretty firmly. Uh, so the message from Parliament seems to be clear. The MPs aren't taking a no deal Brexit very seriously. 374 against 164 for We'll also have European football coming up. We kick off in the Champions League at 8 o'clock and we've just got underway in the Championship. We'll be bringing you updates from around the grounds, not least Birmingham City as they take on Millwall. It's a massive game for the Lions. This is Love Sport. Coming up on the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, we'll be talking season tickets. Prices have gone up again. Is that an outrage? What is the solution? Is that just the direction that modern football seems to be moving in? We've got lots to touch on. And with that, gents, for you personally, have your ticket prices increased? Yes. Um, I'm band three and they've gone up. I think my ticket's gone up by about 55 quid. Um wasn't you know by now the club would have would have announced a, a freeze on ticket prices and they hadn't so I was expecting a price rise and at first I was a little bit cool that's a bit of a jump but then I saw someone on Twitter quite rightly put in put it into perspective by saying works at about three quid a game um, I mean you put it like that is it worth you know throwing your toys out the pram and going no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna renew for three quid a game like 
that's pretty much all it is. But it could be a moral stance, couldn't it, James? In the sense that three quid a game in isolation isn't a lot of money. It's about what you pay for your coffee if you have one in the morning. But across a season, firstly, it could be quite a lot for some fans. Important to remember that this is still at least nominally the working man's game. But also in terms of just the principle of the thing, it's three quid a game this time. Well, if it keeps being three quid a game every year and every year and every year, it's going to become completely unaffordable. True, but this is the first one for a while. And I did see someone on Twitter, actually, who who said um, that's you know, uh, £55, I think his was the same, or £50 plus my £5 admin fee, that means I won't be getting my replica shirt this year, which, again, if you can pick one of them up for 55 quid next year, I'll be surprised. But, (laughs) no, I I do understand what you say, Johnny, about that, but I do think that, A, it shows that the club are quite confident on ticket sales. Obviously, we've had the the recent um, expansion and, you know, the allowance of of the extra capacity. Karen Brady's always banging on about 50,000 fans on the waiting list, though, isn't she? So... Yeah, but that, you know, maybe that's actually true. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But even, even if that is true... Uh, We're moving, obviously, towards an atmosphere in modern football which is very commercialised, very business-like, very financially focused. And just because a club does have 50,000 people on the waiting list, that doesn't mean that they should be able to behave in a way where they can go, you know what, you lot who have currently got season tickets, we're not bothered about you because if you go, there's somebody else banging on the door. That's not how it should work, surely. No, I agree, and I think I think a lot of the fans regarding the current price rises, the ones that's just been announced, a lot of fans are a little bit more annoyed about, you know, before we moved into the stadium, David Golden, David Sullivan, Karen Brady were banging on about making football affordable um, to fans, um, which they did. Uh, I thought, you know, uh, ticket ticket prices, season ticket prices up until now, and still technically are quite affordable if you compare them to other Premier League football clubs. Um but you know they have increased the, the ticket price of, um, of of younger younger fans in in and what what they what were initially cheaper bands. Um, they introduced a, a, an additional band who moved into stone to make those tickets cheaper. They've now gone up in price. Um, so I can see I, I I get it. You know no one wants to see anything go up in price, particularly when you know it's it's as expensive as a season ticket, whether that's two hundred quid or whether that's twelve hundred quid. You know. To, to a lot of people that is a lot of money even even 100 quid's a lot of money to to a lot of people so you know I, I get it but um i think for me the biggest gripe i've got is that they brought forward the deadline to renew these tickets which is now something like the 16th of may um why is it so early i mean i don't i don't get it that is a that is a peculiar one one that one one and we've seen it before some awful pr marketing media decisions if you like, where, you know, you see it a lot with clubs who are on the verge of getting relegated, don't you? Mm. And they say, oh, um, yeah, renew your season ticket before the end of the season for a 50 quid discount or whatever it might be. And I know we're not in that position, but it does seem odd bringing that deadline forward. But the club have released a statement only an hour ago saying record numbers of fans renew season ticket on the first day. Of course they have, yeah. Yeah, so I I agree with you, Johnny. I think when you said that football's going towards that business financial climate, if you like, I think, to be frank, we've been there for years. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of the anger, certainly in clubs like West Ham, who do, you know, tend to be made up the fan bases of more working class people and the working man, as you said then, that's where that, that frustration comes from because 
every time it edges towards that commercialism and the the business decisions and you said then James about not talking about wages because it doesn't bother you unfortunately you hear more and more and more of that in the media these days and that's what makes fans feel less and less engaged year in year I get, out I get it um and that, I mean it, you're right it's been a problem for for a long time um but you know when it, regardless of price increases you know there'd be a lot of fans like me you know when I say that you know, it doesn't matter how much it goes up in price, I'm still going to renew because the clubs have been by the proverbials since I was born. <laughs> that was and a good tweet, that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and I mean, I couldn't tweet, like, say by tweet, word for word. But, um, yeah, that's that's long and short of it. But Re- Regardless <laughs> of how much money we're paying players now compared to when I was born. The long and short of the proverbials. Uh, with, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> but there must be an amount, mustn't there, James, where if the club said, hang on, we're sticking your, we're doubling the price of your season ticket. Would you even, I mean, there comes a point when even if it's not you going, I will pay that, it would get to a stage where for you or many other West Ham fans, it would simply become unaffordable. Yeah. I think before that happens, though, sorry, Will, I think before that happens, that there, there will be, um, a little bit like the whole away ticket um, thing that goes on at the moment where you know fans can't pay any more than 30 quid, I think, for an away ticket. Um, I think it'll get to the point where the Premier League or the FA or, or whoever's de- whoever it's down to, maybe even the government, will go will step in and go, nah, it's getting a little bit out of hand now. And they will cap the amount that clubs can charge for certain tickets. Um, otherwise, you're right. I mean, it could get to the point where West Ham could rock up next season and go, your ticket was 650, now it's two grand. You know, cough up, or cough get up, out. cough up, or there's fifty thousand fans on a waiting list waiting to, waiting to take your ticket. And you know, you're right. If it got to that, then I'd, I'd be like, well, hang on, that's a little bit much. But the one thing I will say, I agree with you with that. I think that would be first of all PR suicide to do something like that, wouldn't it? To just ramp it up massively. And I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that they have an empty stadium. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, yeah. exactly, yeah. But the the one thing I would say is uh, when you're talking about it there, Johnny, there there is still you can buy a ticket at West Ham, and it'll be albeit band five, and you are sitting. You know the the seats are band five seats. You're high up in the air. You're a long way from the pitch. But paying three hundred and twenty pound for a season that and that for a season ticket price, and I know it, it sounds like I'm sort of wheeling out the club PR no, in, that we in, get in the Premier League. That is very good. It is outstanding. It has, yeah. I, I'm not getting at West Ham here in the scale of the league. They're by far from the worst defenders, but it seems like every show I have, every set of fans, there's always a story about tickets getting more and more expensive. Where will it end? Talking of where will it end, there's another vote from the Commons. We heard that an amendment had been approved to the no-deal Brexit vote. That amendment said that MPs would oppose a no-deal Brexit at, at any point, not just on the 29th of March, and the MPs have now supported, they voted to approve the amended motion, 321 eyes, 278 noes. It's not legally binding, but the MPs aren't happy. This is Love Sport. You are listening to Love Sport Radio. It's the West Ham Fan Show with me, Johnny Burrow. I'm joined by James Jones of the last of the Balls on the Line podcast. I do apologise. And no, James Jones of West Ham World, <laughs> Will Pugh of Balls on the Line podcast. 
and the country may be disintegrating, but we are here to talk about West Ham. <laughs> Just before we get into that, the latest news from Westminster is, of course, that MPs have voted to rule out a no-deal Brexit by 43 votes. Theresa May hasn't got a voice. She hasn't got a hope either. She's now saying that we risk damaging the trust of the nation. The trust of the nation is also in other European terms in in Liverpool this evening, of course, as they travel away to Bayern Munich. They've just kicked off. Still nil-nil on aggregate there. Updates from around the grounds for you this evening. And a massive goal has just gone in for Millwall. They are 1-0 up against Birmingham City as they hope to avoid relegation. Norwich City already 2-0 up against Hull City. A win would, of course, see them go top of the championship table once more and Aston Villa lead Nottingham Forest 2-1 already and it's only 17 minutes in. Gentlemen, more important matters than the collapse of a nation. The Premier League race for seventh. West Ham are very much in the mix for that. They currently sit on ninth. But the question, the bigger question really than can you win it is do you want to win it? Yes. I'm going so, to get there first. So, we, so we, we have different views on this, don't we, Will? We do, we do. And I'll be honest, it kind of it drills down to quite deep in me about my outlook on football as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking to one of the guys from the, the Fulham show earlier on as well, who who kind of made a point that echoes my sentiments, that if you're not going to chase for that seventh place spot what is the point of football what is the point of going every week get it paying your money paying your extra 55 quid a year your extra three pound a game playing games against relegation threat and lost four in a bounce card <laughs> what is the point of all of these things if with two games to go you can finish seventh place in the league or you can finish eighth place in the league you're going oh i don't know if i really want to beat Everton today because you know it might mean Europa League etc etc what is the point no see you get me wrong a little bit here in that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see us deliberately lose a game so we don't finish 7th that, that would anger me and you know I, I, if we finish 7th fantastic great stuff what my my question really here is you know if we do finish 7th do we really want to go through that those European qualifiers I'd love to see us in the Europa League but I don't want to see us be playing playing a European qualifier in Lithuania on the 2nd of July um, it just it, it's worked against us two years running uh, lost to Romanian Giants Astra uh, great, <laughs> great side great side excellent side you know got further than Tottenham in the Europa League that year, so out of the group stage, so a lot of people don't give them the credit they deserve. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, let's this, this talk the truth, you know, but it, 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 do we really want to do that? Do we really want to go through that? If, if we can win the FA Cup, which we could have done this year, by the way. Yeah, well, exactly. Right? We can't now, though. Yeah, we? but we could, if we'd have gone, for, all right, we're going to try and win the FA Cup trying to get the Europa League. We go, we go into the group stage or we, we, we go straight into... Um, do we do? I think we do go into the group stage. If we don't, it's straight into the playoffs, which yes. means that you start you start in August rather than the first qualifying round, which we had to do a couple of years ago when we finished seventh under Billich. Or was, was that the time when we got um, it through fair play, which is all really weird? <laughs> I think the um, first the first one was fair play, wasn't it? Because we managed to only get two yellow cards in 500 years or whatever the yeah. stat was. And then the the second time we got it through our position in the league. That, but must, yeah, that must have been the year Andy Carroll was injured all season, wasn't it? 
<laughs> I think it's quite fitting that this evening the debate that you're having is fundamentally do we or don't we want to be in Europe? With that in mind, the early Europa League qualifiers can cause problems for Premier League sides. We saw last season, all season, Sean Dyche's Burnley with this immovable defensive rock, really well drilled, really confident side, particularly at home but also away. They were in the qualifiers for the Europa League this season. Of course, their season then started early, more condensed fixture list, and they haven't looked anything like the same side. Now, I suspect we can't blame the Europa League for all of that, but we hear a lot that it does make domestic form harder. Would you just be worried that you could be in for a really dodgy season next year if you are playing in Europe? There is uh, a lot of evidence to suggest that that's the case. Uh, on the flip side, um, which kind of goes against everything I've just said, really, um, <laughs> but it's worth saying in that one of those two years that we were in Europe, that first year that we got in through fair play, was the last season at Alton Park, which was a world of a season, which we almost finished in the top four. I, I mean, we did we did go out though really early, didn't we? So we barely had a Europa League. It was, it was hardly a Europa League campaign, was it? But I know I'm almost yeah, disproved. It's very true. Yeah, you've just basically said, which you didn't say with words, but what you meant was, "Will you're right," wasn't it? Uh, I wouldn't go as far as that. I wouldn't go as far as say that. But I think I think the big thing here is that you know we want the team to to be as successful as possible, and if that means finishing seventh and having to start the season in you know in May, then great. Um, I I'm, think I'm happy with that, but. It, it worries me that you know that we've got to go and do that again, and we've seen it happen before, and we're going to draw Astra again. We just know it, and we're going to lose again, and it's going to be we're going to be laughing stuck in the country. Um, are we ready for that? I don't think we are. I don't think. I think we need to. I think we just need to, you know, concentrate on you know trying to win a trophy rather than trying to get get, get through the Europa League through the back door. Well, gents, we've got a caller into the show. Adam in Essex is getting in touch. He wants to talk about the Europa League. Do we? Don't we? Adam, thanks very much for your call, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. For your money, should West Ham be looking at trying as hard as they can to get into the Europa League? Hi, evening, gents. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think the short answer for me is no. I think we need to, you know, need to be more consistent domestically. You know, the, the guy just mentioned in terms of you know, the League Cup, the FA Cup, until we're pushing on all fronts and reaching the latter stages of those tournaments, I don't think we're ready. I don't think the board will invest to develop a squad that's big enough to to mm. maintain our Premier League status and not risk the revenue associated to that and also go to the later stages. I'd be far happier with getting to the final of the FA Cup than, you know, the last 32, the last 16 of the Europa League. I don't think we're big enough to to do that at this stage. So, whilst it'd be great in a few years' time, I think right now it's it's not worth pushing for. Not to say we should lose games, but I don't think we should sacrifice what we can do domestically to to achieve Europa League qualification through you know what is a difficult process starting early in the summer. Adam, I, I kind of understand your point, and do you think that? Or I'm um, correct me if I'm wrong, but are you are you saying that because of the current format, i.e., the fact you go in so early? Because surely the whole point of you talk about there uh, making sure we're in good domestic shape. Surely the whole point of being in good domestic shape is that we can finish as high up the league as possible, and the reward for that is a place in Europe. So is your are you saying that just because is it the the format of the tournament basically and the fact we go in so early? 
I think so. I think it comes hand in hand. If we're finishing fifth, sixth each season, then just by the nature of that, we have a bigger squad because we've demonstrated we can do it domestically. So yes, if there's a higher, you know, if we if we do better domestically and, and don't have to go through that process, then the likelihood is we're we're more ready to compete than we are today. I think as the squad stands in terms of size and ability, we're not ready to start our season so early. Um, so yes, is the short answer. So until that changes, or we develop the squad and invest enough to to compete on all fronts, which I don't think we will. Yes, it's the the challenge with so many fixtures that that will be our downfall. Adam, I take your point absolutely, mate, that you don't want to risk the club's Premier League future by you know overburdening that fixture list, but. That's all very realistic, all very pragmatic, all very responsible. But football, for a lot of fans, is about romance. It's about trying things out. It's about risk. It's about sending your keeper up in the 92nd minute. <laughs> With that in mind, is there not a bit of you that goes, you know what, let's take that risk. I want to see my club playing in Europe. Yes and no. I think we've been there too many, well, not too many times, not as many as I'd like, actually, but we've been there before. I'd rather we beat Wimbledon and get through to a tie against Millwall than, you know, we look abroad. Yes, you know, going away in Europe would be, would be great, but uh, I really don't think we're ready. We haven't conquered what we can do nationally before we start looking internationally. I think it's as simple as that. We're not at a stage where we're bored of what we can achieve here. We're, you know, beating Arsenal and then we're... Uh, the following week we're not getting results that we should so no yeah you know the, the passion and the excitement would be would be fantastic but but let's focus on the improvement we can do more realistically you know at home before we start focusing abroad I'd love to get there I really would but I I don't think we're ready I think it would almost knock us back than it's rather than it take us forward because until we, you know, we, we start pushing it to the later stages of a, of a European competition, uh, I don't think we'd reap the benefits more so than what we would getting through to the later stages of a, um, you know, the League Cup or the the FA Cup. You know, people talk about the League Cup being a Mickey Mouse tournament. I'd love to win it. You know, it yeah. doesn't have the history that the FA Cup does, but I'd still like to give it a good go. And that's something we haven't done. We haven't done that, and we haven't come close. Do you think that? Do you think that you know we'd be getting? I mean, I I, I agree with you, uh, but do you think that we're perhaps being a little bit arrogant? And I suppose that that hundred percent that kind of you know you could say that about you know almost every football fan in the world. You know, they're a bit arrogant. They get a bit you know picky in terms of what they want their club to do, what they don't want their club to do. I mean, you'll hear Arsenal fans go, "We ain't won a trophy in ages." Well, well, you've won three FA Cups out of the last five. So what about those? But they don't count those as as, as success anymore because they've done it a lot. Um, so I suppose that puts our, our mindset into the opposite way where we haven't done it as much but we kind of know the, the dangers of doing it so we don't really want to do it. I, I'm with you, Adam, in that I don't think we're ready. But at the same time, if we did do it this season, I'd be quite, you know, you, you'd have to see it as a, as a success given what we've had to go through the last, what, two or three years. So it's, it's a strange one this season but, you know, I, I don't want to see us lose any games uh, to try and avoid it. Adam, thanks ever so, ever so much for your call there. Just before we let you go, we're, of course, about to look forward to Huddersfield at the weekend. It's a big game. Can I press you for a score prediction? 
what I'd like and what I think are probably two different things. I, I, think want, we I want what you think, Adam. <laughs> I uh, no, I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-0. Um, you know, we're often the team that, that gives people goals. Huddersfield don't score many. Um, but I'd like to think we'll keep a clean sheet and score a couple. So I'll say 2-0. 2-0, you heard it here first. Adam, thanks ever so much for your call, mate. Adam in Essex there, who was arguing that West Ham need to look at England. They need to conquer the British Isles before they can look further afield. If you agree with him, if you disagree with me, get in touch on 0208 70 20 558. And coming up, we'll be having a chat looking ahead to the Huddersfield fixture. Adam reckons it's 2-0. Let's see if Ollie Fisher, writer for Football 365 and a staunch Huddersfield fan, disagrees. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. If you're just joining us, big news out of Westminster tonight. MPs have just voted clearly to say not only should we not leave the EU without a deal on the 29th of March, we should never leave without a deal at all. The government lost that vote because so many Tories, including, by the way, Tory ministers, ignored a whip from the government to vote for something. They voted Uh, They were told to vote against it. They voted for it. May's unhappy could-be resignations all kicking off. And now we've got to do it all again tomorrow. There'll be votes on a potential delay to Article 50. But to more important matters, gentlemen, and to Huddersfield Town versus West Ham United at the weekend... We were hearing from Adam there calling in from Essex that he reckons we're looking at a 2-0 win for the Hammers. Are you looking at three points as well? You can go first. Yeah, I took the lead last week and made myself look a bit silly, didn't I? I so we all made ourselves look silly, there, didn't we? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know, we, we spoke at length last week about our home form and how much it's improved at London Stadium. I think it's un- we're unbeaten in six in all competitions. The last defeat there was um, 22nd of December, I think, against Watford. So um, given given that, putting all that into perspective, I think we'll lose 2-0 at the weekend. <laughs> 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 no, I'm joking. I think... Um, I think, yeah, you're right. I think Adam's right. I think. Sports Social Podcast Network.